This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle, including the office, trucking, the trades, and even motherhood. We power women on the road to success. We tackle all kinds of topics and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Maintaining a relationship and a career can sometimes be very tough. Long-distance relationships are even harder. Breakdowns happen, communication stops, and fighting can occur. Sometimes couples don't know where to turn. Joyce Schaefer's is a best-selling author, public speaker, workshop facilitator, and life skills coach and relationship expert from Alberta, Canada. She specializes in relationship counseling. The counseling model she uses was created out of her need to break her own pattern of failed relationships. She's known for the ability to help fix the emotional root issues that causes relationships to fail. She's not a superhero, but she does have a superpower. It's her ability to expose and help fix the emotional root issues that cause the relationships to fail. She has a self-study course called End the Arguing. We have Joyce with us today to offer her insight to listeners who may be struggling with relationship issues. Welcome, Joyce. Thank you for being on the show with us. Oh, thanks for having me, Shelley. I appreciate it. For our listeners who are not familiar with you, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. So... A lot of times these days we hear um, about life coaches and life coaches are great for helping people work through some barriers that prevent them from uh, achieving goals and so on. But my training is was a, quite a bit different than that. I was trained, well, I've been life skills coach for about 26 years and I was trained to work in the prison setting. So we were trained to deliver 10 week programs to people who were incarcerated and the idea was is that a lot of times um, people incarcerated experience some pretty significant childhood trauma. And because trauma is very intense, oftentimes it causes a lot of emotional pain. And typically, uh, children have no help in processing that childhood trauma. So what happens is when we experience trauma and it don't deal with it, it will continue to wreak havoc in our lives. And so my training was heavily focused on helping people really become more emotionally aware, help them identify emotions, process them, connect to them, feel them, right? And then uh, help support them in communicating their thoughts and feelings in a in a more effective way. Mm-hmm. But because of my sister's murder, who my sister was murdered oh. in 1986, I I found it it would have been too difficult for me to work in the prison settings, but I really valued my uh, the training, and so what I did is I decided to kind of forge my own path. I directed everything I learned toward what I call mainstream society, and I very quickly saw that actually the majority of people, even very high functioning people in mainstream society 
also experienced childhood trauma and similar to people who were incarcerated, say, um, you know, really didn't give a lot of effort or attention on dealing with those, the emotional issues caused by the trauma. And so I started to see it really wreaking havoc in, in people's lives in various ways. And relationships, of course, is one of the significant ways that childhood trauma can rear its ugly head, if you will. So, so through the course of like, you know, a couple decades, <laughs> I, um, I transitioned from working in the corporate area, doing PD days, that transition, transitioned into doing workshops, then one-on-one -on -one work with people. And now I specialize in marriage counseling. So it's been a bit of a journey, <laughs> but really with the focus always being on really trying to understand the impact trauma has on, on us as individuals and how it can really cause us problems and you know deal with those issues at the root level because you can't fix a problem unless you know what's causing it. And I would say that the majority of people's significant challenges, if you will, very often have a link or the dots often connect to that unresolved childhood trauma. So really my focus has been about helping people understand whether it's a breakdown in communication in relationships or what have you, that there is a root issue. And once we identify what that is and deal with it, well, we can we can overcome these challenges. So that's kind of uh, my my journey in a nutshell, if you will. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I just you said something about root cause, and um, I talk about that all the time because it is like um, I'm an occupational health and safety. Um, I was at, at work um, advisor, and we we were when every time there's an incident um you have to look at the root cause it's not just the incident or not just the immediate the, say somebody hit hits the berm well why did you hit the berm well i don't know um well no so there's a, there's a thing called five why to, to determine the five whys to bring you down to the actual root cause of the incident and once you break it down people instead of answering well i don't know they actually figure out, well, oh no, this is this is a real reason, right? Because I didn't sleep last night or, or whatever it is. And in the relationships, like you're saying, it's the exact same thing. When you ask people, like, you know, what's go like, why do you think this happened or or whatever, they'll say, Oh, well, I don't know. I know you do. And once you start breaking it down to like the the root cause is is exactly that. And but most people don't do that. They they, they stay on the superficial level. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is, is absolutely essential if you if you want change. You have to break it down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I would agree. Me too. First of all, I want to express my condolences on on the loss of your sister. I also want to say bravo for you to be able to channel that and help other people and recognize how people can get over their trauma. I think that, unfortunately, society so many times wants to bury stuff. It's like, ah, oh, just get over it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the yeah. past. Keep it in the past. And they don't yeah. even realize, the average person doesn't even realize there have been traumas. Yeah, and I would agree. Um, you know, oftentimes I do work with people who experience some pretty significant childhood trauma. And in their case, they do have more an, of an awareness in terms of they suspect that, you know, say being abandoned as a child of pretty severe trauma 
they can can more often connect the dots to why they might be continuing to be abandoned in adulthood right but mm-hmm. um but what i've noticed is that people um who have more mild trauma which is more like my personal scenario um often it goes undetected right we think oh well there are so many more people worse off than me it, and mm-hmm. we become dismissive of it. So, so we're really not aware of, of the impact or a, a not aware what the traumas are and the impact it has on us emotionally. And then further, uh, how it can continue to wreak havoc in, in adulthood. So, so for me that the cycle of emotional pain, that's the name of the counseling model I actually developed and created, um, to identify the root issues and identify exactly how that emotional pain is still wreaking havoc. So, so we want to get to that root issue, identify what we're dealing with, and then of course, supply the strategies to, to, um, and as it pertains to relationships, when there are hot topics, when couples have hot topics, which are, you know, uh, might be arguing about sex and intimacy or finances or helping around the house or parenting. The idea is, is that these hot topics are often rooted in childhood, unresolved childhood trauma. So, so the, the, the behaviors of one person are activating the trauma of the other, Mm -hmm. that person's response Mm -hmm. to it will then trigger the first person. And so here we have this attack, defend, blame game that usually ensues. And, and most couples have no idea that, you know, their triggers, the things that are so upsetting are actually linked to trauma, right? And so unfortunately, a lot of times that couples, you know, when they have these hot topics and the communication breaks down, because it will, because it that's because we're dealing with trauma, right? And triggers, which means I always say when I'm triggered, I might as well take my brain and throw it out the window, I can't think very clearly and I can't yeah. communicate effectively. So, right. so, but oftentimes people think the solution is improving their communication when really, yes, of course, we, we, I do support people in communicating more effectively, but unless you're understanding if there is a hot topic, it's guaranteed, pretty much guaranteed that there's more going on below the surface that we're dealing with activated trauma. And so it becomes mm-hmm. really first order business is identify the trauma, identify the emotional pain, identifying how each couple is, each person is triggering each other's trauma pain. And once we know that, well, now we can actually, you know, work on solutions because we know what the problem is. We're not stuck in the surface weeds, if you will, by spinning our wheels on those hot topics. So it it is really crucial in resolving that idea of you know, identifying the childhood trauma is really crucial in uh, in resolving hot topics. From my perspective, that's how I view it. I would think it would be hard when somebody's in the heat of an argument, a real humdinger, <laughs> things just escalate. It's kind of like people are in fight flight, perhaps, and they don't even know it. And, and they're one-upping each other. They're not actively thinking about this. They may not even be aware of it. What's going on in the brain when Mm -hmm. a a trigger is actually causing some of that aggressive behavior? That's a, that's a great question, Shelley. And I'm glad you asked that. So, so we have to remember that when the other person's behavior is a trigger, right? So a trigger is something that either mimics childhood trauma or it activates the similar, similar emotions. So say, 
I worked with this couple where the husband was seriously criticized by his father as a child. So he always had this feeling of inadequacy and, and never once did the father ever praise him, right? So it was all harsh criticism leading to that, him feeling really inadequate as a child. So his wife was, was constantly criticizing him about coming home late for dinner all the time. So that criticism then is a trigger, right? Because it mimics a childhood trauma. So she would criticize him on a subconscious level, it would sort of remind him of being criticized by his dad, it would then activate that deep sense of inadequacy. And so what happens when we're triggered, the mind, the triggered mind says, the threat or the enemy is out there. It's on that other person, right? Because that person is saying or doing something that's causing all this pain. So the triggered mind would have us stay focused on the other person um, in a very aggressive way, sort of to shut them down, make them stop talking, make them stop doing what they're doing. And so this focus is really so much out there, right? It, the idea is I will feel better once this behavior stops. My approach is opposite, is opposite to that in the way that, yes, sometimes behaviors need to be tweaked, of course, but really my approach and what I do with my couples is first help them become very aware of each person's childhood trauma, each person's triggers, right? So then we're, we're ready for those triggers. We know that every time I'm in this situation, this is going to activate my trauma. So this is going to get intense, right? So mm -hmm. The more we're aware of it, the more equipped we are. So that's a big part. The awareness is a big part. But the solution part is about getting the person to recognize. Um, and it's kind of like exercising a muscle. It takes time to get good at this. But it, instead of, you know, it's about resisting the urge of going outward, thinking the solutions out there. And instead, you know, the first order of business is must be on a, the story I'm thinking, which is in that man's case, he, he believed he was inadequate. So that was his story. And then the emotion linked to it is oh, that deep sense of inadequacy. So, of course, first order of business is learn to, you know, deal to that triggered emotion. In other words, for him, you know, he always would come home late for dinner and he had to acknowledge that, yes, that's a behavior that should be tweaked. But in order to deal with the emotional part of it, he, I had to get him to see that, okay, he isn't actually this inadequate piece of crap kind of person that he always described himself as. Help him remember, I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. It's just this one behavior that I need to tweak. So in other words, it's important to get the mind focused on, well, what am I believing about myself? Is this story that's running through my mind? Is it even true? And it's always no, right? It's always the story the child believed about themselves based on their trauma. So it's always a lie. In other words, he was never inadequate as a child. It was more a parenting flaw, right? Always harshly criticizing him. So we have to ditch the old story that we believed about ourselves as a child. So deal with it intellectually and then emotionally learn to move away from feeling inadequate to feeling more comfortable with himself. So it's like landing on the opposite emotion. So, so ditch the story, reset emotionally. That's all internal work, right? So mm -hmm. Instead of attacking outward, we got to focus the attention inward, learn to reset emotionally, and then we can actually have a conversation. But while we're triggered, 
we really can't, that's exactly mm-hmm. when the communication breaks down. So it has to be the first order of business. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Dean Michael, the tax doctor here. I have one question for you. Do you want to stop worrying about the IRS? If the answer is yes, then look no further. I've been around for years. I've helped countless people across the country and my success rate speaks for itself. So now you know where to find good, honest help with your tax problems. What are you waiting for? If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed in years, call me now at 888-557-4020 or go to mytaxhelpmd.com for a free consultation and get your life back. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you're enjoying this informative episode of Women Road Warriors, I wanted to mention Kathy and I explore all kinds of topics that will power you on the road to success. We feature a lot of expert interviews. Plus, we feature celebrities and women who've been trailblazers. Please check out our podcast at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our episodes page. We're also available wherever you listen to podcasts on all the major podcast channels like Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon Music, Audible, you name it. Check us out and bookmark our podcast. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, and other sites. And tell others about us. We want to help as many women as possible. Couples often reach an impasse when it comes to communicating, and what they don't often realize is there can be emotional triggers that can cause an argument. We're talking with life counselor and author Joyce Schaefers, who helps couples expose and fix the emotional root causes that can make relationships fail. She assists couples in identifying trauma pain and emotional pain they may not even know about and isolate the triggered emotion that can lead to arguments. Joyce, I had another question here. Is it hard for people to identify their triggers? I would imagine so many people put that in the back of their head. They're not aware of it. They're in denial, perhaps. Do people struggle to actually identify the trauma that may be impacting how they're relating to others? Well, I would say that a lot of people, like I said earlier, when it's mild trauma, yeah, they really are quite dismissive of their trauma, not really able to make the connections to the past and today. But when I'm working with, you know, whether it's working with people in my office or via Zoom or whether they're working through my self-study course, that's very much part of the first step is I do take people through that process of us identifying, well, what exactly is the trauma? What emotional pain did it create? create and what are all the triggers so it becomes actually quite easy to identify our triggers because what we're dealing with here is very intense emotions right so I always say a trigger is going to be something that it's going to evoke a very intense emotional reaction like I compare it to a physical wound like it's a difference between me stubbing my toe on a coffee table versus someone cutting my leg off right a trigger is very intense it's Mm -hmm. it's 
it would be more on the intense side. So when we know what to look for, for me personally, you know, linked to my sister's murder, often triggers for me involve injustice because unfortunately the murderer didn't really, he only served about four years, right? So that felt for many years felt very unjust. So to me, a trigger was anything involving injustices, but I could tell because it was a very intense emotional response, right? Mm -hmm. So when we get people, I support people in knowing what to look for. And so when we know what our triggers are, it's kind of the difference between you're walking through a minefield and you have no idea where the mines are (laughs) and they just start going off, right? They blow up where when we know what our triggers are, what, what, when, you know, when we know what they are, it's like now I can walk through that minefield, but I don't necessarily have to step on the mines, right? I can, I can really manage those situations in a, in a, in a much better way. So it's a really crucial piece of, of um, you know, my work when I'm working with couples. I would imagine what you're doing also helps people get along better with people who are outside of their relationship in work and everything else. Oh, 100%. Like oftentimes what I say is that we're often not just triggered by our spouse or partners. We are often triggered in one or two, maybe three other areas. So when we know what all of our triggers are and then use that same, you know, managing triggers strategy, it's a very transferable skill, right? So it's not just that you're going to use it with your intimate partner if you get triggered at work or if in friendships or other extended family and so on, or even money can be a trigger for people. When you know what your triggers are, it can be very empowering then because that's a, that managing a trigger is a very transferable skill. So it's, it's a really effective approach at dealing with really the most difficult challenges in, in our lives. Oh, sure. Well, when you think about it, uh, holiday gatherings, sometimes those don't always go so well. They can be a free-for-all, food fight. I mean, there are probably some serious triggers that can go on with the family dynamics. And there are other examples, too. When you're at work, if you have a micromanaging boss, um, Mm -hmm. but you can't do anything about it, that's got to be tough in terms of how to cope, how to communicate, how to get that resolved with a couple. Obviously, they're coming to you. They're trying to better their relationship. In other cases, like a family, extended family gathering, or in the workplace, you really don't have somebody who wants to cooperate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're kind of one-sided on how to be able to, to communicate effectively and reduce your stress. That's got to be a challenge. Well, sometimes it might, you might not even require a conversation. Do you know when you, when you really understand what your triggers are and you mm-hmm. really address it on the two levels, the intellectual level, you know, believing that old story and ditching it and then resetting emotionally, sometimes we can be triggered and not even really require a conversation because we kind of work through it on our own, you know, so it can be very powerful. Many times we don't even need a conversation. We can just kind of work through it and reset and carry on. But if we do require a conversation, well, at least now having managed that trigger, you're going to have reset emotionally and be in a far better position of communicating effectively, right? Because you've tended to that emotional wound, you've, you've mitigated that activated trauma. So 
So it's, it's very effective, whether we're just processing on our own and working through things without a conversation or where we are required to have a conversation, you know, even when it comes to work triggers, really, really crucial that we manage those intense emotions before we sit down and have, have a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure we're presenting in a very, you know, kind of emotionally balanced way. Uh, so so I think regardless, like I said, whether you're needing a conversation or not, it still is such a powerful process of of tending to that emotional emotional trigger that's been activated. You know, I I personally have suffered an incredible amount of trauma in my life. And um, to be all, uh, to be um, honest, I never, until I went to treatment uh, in Wellspring at the, with the Hope Mission program in Edmonton, I was there for a total of two years. I did not know what a trigger was. I did not know what it meant. Mm-hmm. I couldn't associate. I couldn't even tell you what emotion I was feeling. I couldn't put a name to um, trying to express anything. It took me a long time to unlearn all the emotional trauma um, from uh, literally a lifetime of abuse. And then I had to learn about boundaries and codependency and anger management and all that. But I also had to learn about naming my emotions because we we, we had, we'd have, uh, we'd sit with counselors and I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so then she, she mentioned the whole trigger thing. I'm like, what's that? Like, I'm, I honestly, at 40 years old, I didn't have a clue <laughs> about nothing. And so listening to you talk, um, you know, obviously there's triggers like someone like uh, I left, I, I not left, I escaped to call it the great escape, my uh, uh, crazy sociopathic ex in 2007. And to this day, I, if someone comes up behind me, I, I still jump out of my skin. And I mean, I start crying. It, it's just an automatic thing. I, I cannot seem to to recover from that. It's, it's just a, like, that's an obvious trigger, right? <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a, right. if anybody comes and scares me or jumps out at me or whatever, but there's, I'm going to say that, and I only know this because of the amount of uh, therapy that I had is that there were hidden triggers, things that I didn't really recognize as a trigger until maybe two days later. Because, right. uh, I mean, I, I was a raging alcoholic and obviously, you know, <laughs> using it, any excuse in the book to drink and not really realizing why, why I, my behavior or why my emotions were so all over the place. Well, once I now um, I got 11 years sober, but when things happen, because even though, you know, the trauma has been a long time ago, there's still things that come up. You don't forget. It's still there, but it's just I learned how to deal with it in, in a different manner. But I still think that if I don't pay attention and I don't hone in on when things arise, whether it's stress at work or just, you know, personal issues here at home, if I don't stay on top of it, it can sneak away at me. And then I'll, I'll find wonder like a week later why I'm so um, angry or or crying for nothing or, 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 you know, and once I start looking back, I realize, oh, I was triggered by so-and-so at this event or, or, right. And I didn't realize it because, you know, I, I get busy. I, there's always people around me and I don't, sometimes I don't have time to process what's happening. 
So right. do you believe that, that there's hidden triggers or that people don't well, recognize they're there until later? Yeah, I'd say that's, that's absolutely the norm. But again, if we use that kind of, if we, you know, this whole process that I take people through is really about getting to know themselves. When you understand, you know, really that at a great degree, what your trauma is and how it impacts you emotionally, um, you know, it, then you're, you're very more, much more equipped to identify tr triggers, right? Because any, you know, because then that rule of thumb is a trigger is something that either mimics a childhood trauma. So if a child was abandoned, then any, then someone, you know, not replying to a text could trigger or activate those feelings of abandonment or feeling unimportant or unloved, right? So when you know yourself, know the trauma to a great degree, um, and then you use that measure of, well, did this create an intense emotional response in me? And is it a something that mimics, you know, my trauma? Well, that's very empowering. It, it makes it so that it's very few surprises in terms of triggers, because, you know, I really encourage my clients to actively identify them. So pay attention to your life and going out into your life. And I find that it is very common, like it's, it's once we identify the triggers, it's very consistent usually, but it can take a bit for a person to mm -hmm. identify their traumas if they don't know themselves to a great yeah. degree, yeah. don't know what to look for in terms of that intense emotional response, you know? Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Do you have an emotional minefield that you don't know even exists in the back of your head from past trauma? These could be hidden triggers that could be sabotaging your relationships. They could negatively impact the way you relate and communicate with your partner. We're talking with Joyce Schaefers. She's a life counselor and author who wrote the book, Stop the Arguing. She has emotional first aid for couples. Joyce, I know what you do requires people to take a really hard look inward. Are people ever afraid to really get to know themselves? I mean, sometimes they have to be really uh, brutally yeah. <laughs> honest. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't yeah. pretty sometimes. And we don't like looking at our, 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 our bad things. You know, we like to think everything happened to us. But I mean, come on, we all do some things that are not nice. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 And I think I would have, I would say that there's a certain percentage of the population that really are adverse to uh, looking in the mirror, looking at their broken bits, if you will. And, mm -hmm. and I believe, and this is just a, a suspicion, I'd love to do a study on it, but I believe that for that percentage of the population, for them, any time is so I do think it's linked to trauma, right? A type of trauma where as a child, they're made, made to feel ashamed, guilty, or really bad about who they are. 
that to me seems to be a pattern that I've recognized. If there's a kind of trauma really evokes that kind of shame in a child, then as adults, those are usually the people who struggle the most to be able to look in the mirror and say, okay, I've got some broken bits that Mm -hmm. I need to work on because it is very uncomfortable. It almost feels like an attack. It's like Mm -hmm. any hint that I'm flawed could potentially feel like very threatening. And so, so I think there's a, there is a a bit of a common thread there with respect to people who have a a more difficult time looking at their broken bits. I do believe Mm -hmm. it's linked to that kind of trauma. Narcissists, it's, it's my narcissists definitely don't want to look at themselves. Sorry, who doesn't? Nar- narcissists. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I I would agree that that is uh, that's very much a, a common complaint is that nothing's ever their fault, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Which, I do believe it comes from a deeply flawed, like a deeply wounded kind yep. of inner experience, right? Mm-hmm. Which goes back to childhood. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say so. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They really need an instruction manual for raising children. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> parents don't, it, well-meaning parents don't realize uh, what their actions can create. And, mm-hmm. and of course, that's been since time began. But to be yeah. able to look at what's occurred so that you could improve mm-hmm. and look at yourself. All of these things, gosh, it takes work, doesn't it? Yeah. And I, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, it does. It <clears throat> work. And I, and I think what parents can do to help their child is, is really be aware of, you know, the things that the kids are going through and mm-hmm. how the child is feeling emotionally and really support them in becoming emotionally aware. Because, you know, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gabor Mate, he's a trauma specialist. And he says, you know, trauma, if when children experience trauma, it's one thing, but when they suffer alone in it, that's an entirely different level. And it's in, incredibly, you know, painful and difficult for the child because they have no support. Where if you're a parent who's really actively teaching your child about emotions, helping them name emotions, identify them and process them. Well, that is, I think, one of the best tools you can give a child to to help them, you know, grow up with knowing it's so important to process their emotions, right? Because right. that's, that's, that's the key is recognizing we feel a certain way and knowing how to deal with it. And that's a big, huge gift that a parent can give their child. Of course, the other thing is, don't traumatize them, right? Which is right. unfortunately yeah. the majority of childhood trauma is, you know, occurs at the hands of their caregivers. So, yep. um, so that's a difficult, very difficult, of course. But um, helping children become emotionally aware is one of the best things you can you can do for your child. It really equips them with the skills of knowing how to deal with the most difficult things in life. So don't use messages like "stop being a crybaby." Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, really important. And one little trick that I always used with my kids, it's kind of in life skills, we say you kind of hop on their rocks. So in other words, if you see your kids having a down day, or if they're, you know, melting down in the grocery store, we'll just understand like, in 12 step program, they use this acronym HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And mm-hmm. for 12 step people, it's 
really get, it's good for them to be aware. Like if I, I need to, you know, I need to eat if I'm hungry and it puts them in a good position, right. Of maintaining their well being. where for children, what I've used it for kids is recognizing if a child, they have either physical needs and emotional needs. So they either need food or sleep or there's something going on for them emotionally, kids don't act out for no reason, right? They're little volcanoes that will erupt, but the eruptions are caused from them having a need. So if a child is having a meltdown and you tell them to shut up or stop, basically you're saying you're not allowed to have a need. Instead, you get curious, you know, in life skills, we say, don't get mad, get curious. So What's causing the eruption? What's causing the behavior? Do they need food? Do they need sleep? Or is there something going on for them emotionally? And you can kind of name it for them, right? A lot of parents say, well, like, how are you feeling? Or what's going on? Kids don't know. They have to be taught the feelings. So you can say something like, hey, maybe you're sad because your buddy couldn't come over. In that way, you're helping the child. You're guessing, certainly, but often the guess is pretty accurate, right? And you're helping them identify, oh, this is what sadness is. And you're helping them connect the dots like, well, I'm sad because my buddy can come over, right? So Mm -hmm. it's the best gift we can give our kids is that ability to become emotionally aware um, and know how to process their emotions. Truly, I think it's crucial. Absolutely. And when you think about it, perhaps adults carry some of that same behavior into adulthood. If they had temper tantrums as children... Mm -hmm. Uh, they weren't able to identify their emotion. They're going to have temper tantrums in a different way as an adult. That's certainly not productive. Yeah. And, you know, I call that a trauma response, right? So when a child is traumatized, yes, of course, it it does lots of significant things. It, it creates a story they believe about themselves. So say a child's abandoned. Well, they believe that they're they're unworthy of love and that they are unimportant and that they should be abandoned, right? So there's the belief. Then there's the emotional part, feeling rejected, feeling um, unloved, feeling un- unimportant and unwanted. And so, you know, it becomes really crucial to, to know that about ourselves. And then moving forward, the cycle of emotional pain, my approach is about recognizing that childhood trauma, if unaddressed, will continue to replicate itself over and over again throughout adult life. So, so the more aware we can be about ourselves, the more equipped we are in actually mitigating that you know, that, that cycle from perpetuating itself. So um, you really, I can't say enough about the importance of being aware of about all of that so mm-hmm. that we can actually handle these situations as adults. You know, um, if you think about it, like there are parents and grandparents, the way they were raised, there was no therapy back then. And it was just, you know, suck it up, buttercup and, you right. know, put your big girl panties on and, you know, just keep yeah. going. And, you know, you're tough, you're a survivor and, men were told that they couldn't cry and you know it's not manly and all that so growing in our era growing up like with my mom and stuff um there was no she wasn't taught and so how could she teach me and then we grew up in such violence and such extreme uh, horrific conditions that when we finally got out well she began drinking and you know so she wasn't uh, emotionally available so I was left alone trying to fight the big bad world on my own and then I got you know all, all these things happened to me and I wasn't able to tell mom because mom is drinking and my sisters are on drugs and here I am by myself trying to 
figure it out. So how am I, and then I had a daughter and I still haven't figured it out. So how am I supposed to teach my daughter when I, you know, that whole cycle. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't until like my daughter, she was raped when, uh, when, she, uh, when she was drunk, when she was 18. And so she's just starting to get over that now she's 29, but I had to take, it took everything that I learned um, in those two years that I was at Wellsprings to transfer that over to help her, you know, slowly deal with it. But had I not done that, I could have just gone through life like everybody else and just, you know, try and how can you teach your kids if you don't know it yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've Very been true. fortunate enough that I've been able to take what I've learned and passed it on to both my sisters who are both off drugs. Now the one has got uh, four years clean and sober, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other that one is. is a year sober. And my mom has now four years sober. So, which is incredible. And my daughter, um, she, she's, well on our way to recovery because I've been able to transfer all that, that, that information that I had. I mean, albeit it was, they could have just not paid attention or not applied it to their own life, but they did. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really believe that I've helped raise a community and that's just my immediate family, not to mention all my, my speaking engagements and everything that I do with what was what was given to me right because it so changed my life it so enabled me to move forward and when i see people that um that are are kind of stuck in a rut um i try and do my best to to pass along what i what i have and if, if it's not just me well like on my on my website i have a page of, a list of resources free resources for people because right everybody has different needs at different levels at different times right mm-hmm. so That's definitely pattern breaking. Your own personal evolution has put it put you in a position of, you know, breaking the pattern for your daughter, and that's so empowering and so admirable. And not everyone can do that, so it's uh, very significant. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people spend most of their life kind of spinning their wheels, not really knowing why do I do this, why do I have this problem. Why can't I get along with my spouse? Why can't I get along with my coworkers? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And mm-hmm. certainly, Kathy, you have had a rare gift to be able to really grasp all of that. And Joyce, uh, what you realized and how you're able to help people, it's so important. I don't think we just don't talk about the emotions and the triggers and the things that really make us who we are. And how we interact, I think we should do more of that, especially with children. And and kids go through so many changes when you think about it. Everything can be going on smooth sailing as they're growing. And then all of a sudden, they're an adolescent. Mm -hmm. Then they've got all these (laughs) hormones. They're little walking volcanoes, you know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and they have. Go ahead. Sorry, Shelly. Go ahead. They have parents who maybe forgot what it was like to be an adolescent. You know, and uh, not validating their feelings because you've mm-hmm. got lots of feelings when you're a teenager, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you establish that that relationship with them, a mutually respecting relationship in childhood where they're becoming more and more emotionally aware, mm-hmm. well, you know, I think that it can really can get to the point where those adolescent years don't really need to be that that trying. You know, I'm very lucky with my kids age 24 and 20. Um, you know, I never had those terrible teen years, I never struggled with that. But I think it was because they were very equipped early on with the ability to process emotions and communicate their thoughts and feelings. So limit more so the eruptions, right? They mm-hmm. they were they were more wired to get to the root of it. So what's really going on for me? Why am I so angry or so intense? You know, it, they were taught to process. So um, you know, luckily, I've never really struggled with the teen years with my kids. And, and I think it's because of that. And because of my determination to raise them in a mutually respecting way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have if if your parent is someone you can trust, and you know that they're going to respect you and love and care for you, well, they're gonna, you're gonna want to go to your parent, right when you're, you're struggling. And it's becomes a more of a supportive kind of thing rather than an adversarial kind of thing. And I think when teen years, kids want to assert their independence and their you know, freedom. And I wanted to support that as much as possible within reason, right? Sure. So, you know, I, I really feel like it all definitely does come to emotions and communication. And the more we can equip kids earlier on, uh, the, the better it'll be in the long run for them, for sure. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking Share images of a moment you're proud of and join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're talking with Joyce Schaefers, who's a life counselor and author of Stop the Arguing. She helps couples fix the emotional root causes that get in the way of constructive communication and derail a relationship. 
you offer some terrific insight here, Joyce. Um, you work with people remotely, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both in well in my office and and remote via Zoom, for sure. So um, yeah, these podcasts it's kind of fun because I get to connect with people all over the world. So right now I have a client in Texas, I have a client in France, and it's really fun to be able to connect from people from around the world. And and that's why these podcasts are so great because it makes it so I get to meet a lot of really great people. So yeah, it's great. How do people reach you? Probably the best way is through my website, um, joyce-shafers.com. You can send me an email that way. Um, Of course, there's always the phone, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 780-244-0337. But uh, probably email is the best. I'm I'm fully booked normally, and so I don't really get to answer my phone throughout the day. But um, email is always the best way to get a hold of me, for sure. And what was your phone number again? 780-264-0337. And then if you want, I can spell my uh, website address. Oh, if you yeah, like. sure. That would be great in case people are writing that down. Yeah. So J-O-Y-C-E hyphen S-C-H-A-F like Frank, E-R-S like Sam dot com. So um, that's my website, Joyce hyphen dot com. So you, not just relationship counseling, do you do family counseling and that kind of thing too? I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I specialize in family counseling. I have helped families. Um, I worked, you know, a couple of times with families working through resentments. Uh, It's a big part of what I do with my couples. And I find that process that I developed is really effective. So I have been approached a few times to work with families. And of course, it's usually involving resentments. So I, I, I have done that. I, I don't necessarily say that I specialize in family counseling. It's more um, relationships and individuals, but definitely with the focus on understanding childhood trauma and then understanding how exactly that's, re- you know, wreaks havoc. And then, of course, applying those strategies like managing triggers and sure. communication. Yeah. You break it down to some basic fundamentals that just make total sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you give people a really good toolkit or toolbox, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, for sure. You know, awareness is never going to take you all the way, right? Awareness as in, you knowing your childhood trauma and knowing the impact it had on you is important for sure. But really, you know, the it's where the metal meets the road is where you, is that the right expression? I don't even know. <laughs> rubber meets the road. Rubber meets yeah. yeah, rubber meets the road. Yeah, I really suck at those, and I should stop trying to use those sayings. Oh, I, I always oh. put my foot in my mouth. Oh my goodness, <laughs> like that. It's it's. Uh, what was that? I was interviewing a musician, and I said Simon and Garfield instead of Simon <laughs> and Garfunkel. <laughs> you know those cool cats that were really popular. Yeah. Oh my, right. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well I can relate I can relate to not knowing how to you know use those those phrases but but yeah I mean that's that really is awareness will only give us so much um we really need to you know impact what we impact the situation by knowing how to manage those triggers knowing how to reset emotionally really gaining control over that inner world of our emotions and you know it's sad because we grow up in our population in our society we're actually we actually 
actually teach kids that they're powerless to their emotions, right? It's like we've created these little hamsters on hamster wheels thinking that, oh, well, I can only be happy if this happens or that happens. Something external has to happen in order for me to feel a feeling, which is a really detrimental uh, kind of thing to do to a child. It teaches them that they're powerless over emotions. Yeah. This process is is really about gaining control over emotions, which if you think about it, it's the, actually the only thing we do have control over in life. Life sure. is so unpredictable. We mm-hmm. cannot, you know, we can try to control it, but it net rarely works. And so if we teach a child that they can, you know, be, gain control over their emotions, they can manage their emotions. Well, it's that to me is where real power is and real freedom is. Um, anything else positive that happens, that's gravy. That's all great. But when if we can master that ability to process and work through emotions and regain control over them, I mean, to me, there's there's nothing better than that. I, I might be a bit of a nerd in that way, but <laughs> that's certainly how I view it. Makes total sense. It's very empowering. Thank you, Joyce. Your insight is Thank absolutely Thank you so terrific. much. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to find people are interested in this this stuff. So, I'm... Oh, my God. I have a whole slew of people who want to talk to you. Yes, <laughs> yes. Jeez. Yeah, I'm not saying that lightly either. Like, I mean that, like, oh, the amount of people that I deal with worldwide who are just so, you know, we're just at the beginning stages of trying to figure out, you know, um, themselves. Yeah. It's not really that big of a mystery when you know what to look for. You know, again, my rule of thumb is are the things that cause us the most challenges in our lives as adults very often 99% of the time have a link to childhood trauma. So really, if we can mm. identify that, then, then, okay, now we know what to do about it, right? Now we can start mm-hmm. dealing with it on the emotional level and the intellectual level. It's a total game changer, truly. It really yeah. is. And people can reach you at Joyce-Schafers.com. And your last name is spelled S-C-H-A-F-E-R-S. Correct. Yes. Excellent. Thank you, Joyce. This is super enlightening. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad to be here chatting with you, ladies. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been wonderful. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Women Road Warriors is on all the major podcast channels like Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, YouTube, and others. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. Mm-hmm.